Let me read to you Exodus chapter 15, verse 26. It says, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. I want to talk to you this week as well about the Lord our healer. Now this question must be asked, does God put sickness on people? From reading this verse and others like it, you might assume that he does. However, we mentioned this two weeks ago, but some were not here. However, there are several places in the Old Testament where the verb in Hebrew is translated as active when it should be correctly interpreted as passive. There are several places where the verb is active. That means the subject is doing the action, but it should be correctly understood as passive something that's uh, being allowed. For example, notice this scripture. It has nothing to do with healing, but it's an example. In Genesis chapter 24 and verse 54, the servant of Abraham uh, went to search for a wife for uh, Isaac. And when uh, Rebekah's family agreed, he said to them, send me away to my master. Now, once again, this is translated an active verb, but it's understood that it means passive. He doesn't mean thrust me out, force me to go. What he means is let me go. In fact, some translations say this. The New American Bible says, allow me to return to my master. The voice translation renders it this way. He asked his hosts for permission to leave, you see. So that's the idea. So going back to our scripture verse in Exodus chapter 15, verse 26, it could be and should be translated this way. I will not permit any of the diseases to be put on you that I permitted to be put on on the Egyptians. God did not make the Egyptians sick. He did not take the active role, but because of their stubborn disobedience, he had to remove his hand of protection from them. Also, you need to know this. The Bible is, and I'll say it this way, progressive revelation. And what that means is, As we continue reading in the Bible from the beginning to the end, more and more light is given. So things which are unclear or obscure in the Old Testament are made much more clear in the New. So always read the Old Testament with New Testament eyes. Let me read to you a New Testament scripture. We're talking about healing. In Acts 10.38, the last part of the verse says that Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Notice, not oppressed by God, because God is not the oppressor, but sickness comes from the enemy. Directly or indirectly, it is an attack of the enemy. How many of you believe that today? Notice this scripture as well, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 25. It tells us that Jesus is at the Father's right hand right now, and that he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet, or till he has subdued all of his enemies. Then the next verse, verse 26, says, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. 
And this is talking about physical death in this chapter. Well, sickness is perhaps the leading cause of death in this world. So since the Bible calls sick, uh, death an enemy, and sickness is incipient death, it is the leading cause of death, therefore sickness must not be a friend. You know, students, I've said this to you before, but some of these other folks need to hear it again. Some Christians treat sickness like a long-lost friend. Somebody they went to high school with or something like that. When sickness shows up at their front door, they greet sickness warmly. Oh, you've come. I say, I say, come inside. We've missed you. It's been more than two years. So, how you doing? Hey, let me introduce you to all my kids. Come on, I'll give you the best room in the house. How long will you be staying with us this time? Sickness is an enemy. That means it should be resisted. If sickness is an enemy, it comes from the enemy. Can I get a better amen than that, please? If God put sickness on people, then tell me this. Why did Jesus heal the sick? I mean, you don't have to be too smart. Just, just, just have two good eyes, better than Captain Shivers. Just have two good eyes and read the Bible. If God makes people sick, then Jesus would have been working against his father by healing the sick. Hmm? Yet Jesus said in John eight twenty nine, I always do the things that please him. Praise the Lord. So therefore, healing must be pleasing to God. So let's go back to our text in Exodus 15, 26. It says, I am the Lord, your healer. Again, the Old Testament was written in the Hebrew language. Literally, it says, I am Yahweh Rapha. We typically say like Jehovah, um, and that's okay. But actually, there is no J sound in Hebrew, although some people disagree with that. There's no J sound in Hebrew, so it's probably closer to something like Yahweh which means the great I am, the self-existent one. But Rafa is Hebrew, and it means to mend or to cure. Isaac Lesser, in his translation, says this, For I, the Lord, am thy physician. Praise the Lord. Who's your physician? The Lord is my physician. That means I call his number first. Amen. I go there first. Hallelujah. The basic translation says, I am the Lord, your life giver. Whew. Well, sickness would be a life taker, but God's a life giver. The Smith translation says this, For I, the Lord, make you immune to them. Meaning diseases. I, the Lord, make you immune. See, every morning I get my booster shot from the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Amen. I've been vaccinated with the word of God. Here's my vaccination card. Would you like to read it? Hallelujah. And this works much better. Oh, don't let me get off the subject here. But this works much better. And it's free. Hallelujah. And there are no side effects. Nobody ever died from reading the word of God. Think about this. Your body. It's so wonderful. You may not appreciate the way it looks. Maybe others don't either. I don't know. But, but nonetheless, your body is amazing. 
Your body has, and I'm not a doctor, of course, and if you're a doctor, you can just silently agree with me, but your body has an immune system. So if a virus or a bacteria invades your bloodstream, the white blood cells will surround it and attack it. It's amazing. It's a fact, you see. If you get cut, you know, on your skin, your skin immediately begins to regenerate itself. Now, think about it. If your body fights infection and men's damage, that should tell you that healing is the will of your creator. Because he made your body, just naturally speaking, to get well. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, let me ask a question here, which some have been troubled with. If the Lord, Jehovah Rapha, if the, I like to roll that R. It sounds like I really know what I'm talking about when I do that. Rapha. If, <laughs> let's just be honest. If the Lord is our physician, does that mean it's wrong for us to take medicine or to seek medical treatment? To see a doctor. Is that wrong? See, there's a lot of, you know, Pentecostals or even faith people, and if they find out that you went to the doctor, oh, they, 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 they look down on you. Hmm. Have ye no faith? You know. Hmm. You know. Well, let me just say this to you to provoke your thinking. Though God promised to be Israel's healer, he never forbid them from using natural remedies, right? There's all kinds of commandments like, you know, thou shalt not lie. And so there's no commandment that thou shalt not take aspirin. He didn't specifically say that. Besides that, think about this. In the law, under the law, the Israelites were instructed to use sanitary practices. Did you know that? That's right. The, the book of Leviticus tells them to... Uh, bathe at certain times. Maybe some of you need to read that book. <laughs> Might get revelation. <laughs> the person beside you is saying amen. <laughs> uh, and even to wash their clothes, you see. Then, then again, uh, forgive me for being a little bit uh, direct, but this is what the Bible says. They were, they, the Israelites were commanded to bury, dig a hole and bury their excrement which seems like, you know, an obvious thing, but it isn't. Back, you know, thousands of years ago, people just threw it all over the street, just walked in it, you know, just, 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 because they had no sense. Then again, the sick with a communicable disease under the Levitical law, under Deuteronomy too, they had to be quarantined. See, quarantining the sick is health care. Quarantining the healthy is called tyranny. I have the microphone now. If you don't like it, there's the door. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Now, listen to this verse. Proverbs 18, verse 9, in the Amplified Classic Version, says this. He who does not use his endeavors to heal himself is a brother to him who commits suicide. That, that's a rather interesting translation. Almost every other Bible says about laziness. You know, if you're lazy, you're like a brother who commits, it's akin to suicide. But this, is, this translation suggests this, that if you have the natural means 
to recover from an infirmity, but you don't use those means, then you're being unwise. In fact, it's similar to killing yourself. So we're asking the question, is it wrong to use medicine? That's what I'm, that's what I'm asking. And again, we don't hear a lot of, about this in like our circles, Rama word F.A. type circles. Think about this. Paul, the apostle, certainly believed in divine healing, healing by the power of God. And yet he told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23, to use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and for your frequent ailments. Now, by the way, this is the only verse of Scripture that some degenerates know. This is like some people's favorite verse in the Bible. Because they use this verse as a pretext for drinking. See, they, 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 the, quick, the, other, the, the other verse they know is Job said, the Lord gave, the Lord took away, blessed be the name of the Lord. And they know this one. There's only two verses they know. And wives, submit to your husbands. But, but, but see, this Paul is not talking about social drinking. He didn't tell Timothy, use a little wine because of your frequent discouragement and often you're bored. He said because of your stomach's sake and your frequent ailments. You see, evidently, see, he said don't drink water only but add a little wine to it. Evidently, Timothy only drank water. See, but he had stomach problems. So Paul instructs him to use a little wine, not bottles and bottles, a little wine added to the water because that would, the, that, just the small percentage of alcohol would kill the germs. Now some people say, yeah, I think I'm having a stomach ache too. No. No, see, Timothy does not have what you have. He doesn't have bottled water. He doesn't have a water purifier at home. He doesn't have, you know, the, those type of things. So you can't do that. You don't need to do that. Amen. But the point of this verse is it's not wrong to use remedies for medicinal purposes. Why didn't Paul just say, lay your hand on your stomach and curse the bacteria? I mean, I guess he could have. I don't know. I guess he could have. But there's a natural remedy that he could take, and, and that, would, that would solve his problem. Again, some people, you know, they're, they're way off to an extreme, an unhealthy extreme. Oh, no, don't, no, no, don't ever take any medicine. Don't ever see a doctor, nothing like that. Well, friend, if I get sunburned, and I'm fair-complected, so, you know, if I'm out in the sun for like a few minutes, you know, I look like a, a, a lobster. I, I look like, you know, I, I turn a really pinky color. The, the day before I got married, I made a mistake. The day before I got married, I wanted to look, you know, on my, on my wedding day. I wanted to look suave. So I, you don't have this in, 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 in Dimapur. I don't know if there's any place in India that has this. But I went to a tanning salon. I paid money, foolishly, to sit in this little booth and these bright lights were shining on my lovely immune body so I could get a tan. But all that happened was I got sunburned. So on the day of my wedding, I was this bright pink color. People thought, people thought I was super uber embarrassed. I was just sunburned. And here's a little tip for all of you. It doesn't help the honeymoon either. <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, ask the RAs. or uh, Brother Lloyd will meet you after the service to explain that to you. If I have a sore throat, is it wrong for me to gargle with hot water or salt water? Oh, where's your faith, brother? Just, just rebuke that sore throat. 
If I feel listless, yeah, a little bit kind of tired, is it a sin for me to have a cup of tea? Huh? I mean, I don't think so. Praise the Lord. Is it, you know, some people, when it comes to sin, they get real ridiculous. You know, some people say, well, you know, it's a sin to use deodorant. No, it's a sin not to use deodorant. <laughs> that could be a great ministry for somebody here. Just, hey, brother, here you go. Praise the Lord. <laughs> here you go, friend. I, one time I was in a church service. This was when me and Harold were students at, at Rama, And I was visiting a church service. And uh, I, uh, I was just a stranger there. I mean, I, I didn't know anybody. And so the pastor said, turn to the person on your left and say, praise the Lord. You know, and so I said, praise the Lord. And then shake hands or something. And there was just this woman sitting in the seat next to me. And when I shook her hand, there was something in her hand. But it wasn't money. It was breath mints. And it wasn't a breath mint. It was the entire package, the whole roll of breath mints. And I, and I said, are you trying to tell me something? And she said, you need it. <laughs> I hope you're watching, whoever you are. <laughs> you need it. <sighs> God will keep you humble, you know. <laughs> Evidently, it's true, though. Because when I wake up in the morning, there's a wall between me and the person on the other side of the bed. And she sleeps in like North Korea and I'm in South Korea. And if I say good morning, the wall gets 10 feet higher. I guess I could pray God remove this thorn in my flesh. <laughs> but I'll just take breath mints for now. I don't know. Hallelujah. Now, one of the benefits of wisdom, and this is the thing that's so important, one of the benefits of wisdom is long life, according to Proverbs 3.16. So that tells me that using godly wisdom has something to do with living a good and healthy life. Or, in other words, some people are suffering because of their own foolishness. Hmm? Now... Uh, I often mention Smith Wigglesworth, tremendous man of God, I mean, a man of miracles. And there are several books that people have written about his life and things like that. And one of the uh, books written by him, about him, was written by a man named Albert Hibbert. And Albert Hibbert, I think, was a young man uh, during Smith Wigglesworth's time. And he wrote about some of the experiences he had with Wigglesworth. And so Albert Hibbert mentioned that on a cold winter's night, he was headed outdoors and Wigglesworth said to him, put on your heavy coat, young man, and button up. It's cold out there. You've got to take care of that body God gave you. So I thought that was interesting. Even though Wigglesworth uh, prayed for the sick with amazing results, he was also practical. He had some sense. Some people don't have any sense. They don't have faith. They don't have any sense either. Amen. Look at the person next to you and say, he might be talking about you. <laughs> think about this. Think about this. Listen to this. Martin Luther, Martin Luther, the great reformer to whom we all owe a great debt, in his old age, now he, he wasn't in the best of health, but in his old age, he was still quite active in ministry. 
And uh, he traveled to his hometown of Eiselben in Germany. Eiselben, I think it's pronounced that way. In Germany, because there was a, to settle a dispute between two prominent men there. And his wife urged him not to take the journey, the long journey. Don't do it. Uh, it was cold. It was winter. It was, it was uh, rainy. He had to, Mark, Luther had to cross uh, at least one uh, uh, river, uh, navigating past big chunks of ice to get there. And when he entered into the town, his hometown, he was greeted like a hero. But he never left that town because he died several days later. And you can't help but think if he had just listened to his wife, at least once in a man's life, he should listen to his wife. I don't know. I'm not saying that's today. I'm just saying at least once. If he had not gone out, you know, maybe he would have uh, lived longer. In Philippians chapter 2, in Philippians chapter 2, Paul refers to a man named Epaphroditus. And he says that this man had been ill, even to the point of death. So he was seriously sick. Verse 27 says, but God had mercy on him. And the man recovered. He, he didn't die. He recovered. He was, he was made well. He, he was healed. But here's a good question. This is a man who ministered evidently alongside the Apostle Paul. I mean, he's in Paul's company. He's working with Paul. He knows Paul. In fact, the Bible in this, in this same chapter refers to Epaphroditus as a messenger of the church. And actually, it's, it is the word apostle. Apostolos, the same word. So, so he's in the ministry. Maybe, maybe he's like an apostle. How come this man got sick? Good question. Well, verse 30, chapter 2, verse 30, in the New King James Version gives us a clue. Because for the work of Christ, he came close to death, not regarding his life, to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. Go back to that first part of that verse again. For the work of Christ, he came close to death. He almost died. Notice this. Not regarding his life. That suggests that he didn't take proper care of himself. See, even if you have the best intentions, you're, and if you're working with all of your strength for the kingdom of God, you still have to use wisdom. I remember years ago we had uh, our friend Mark Hankins uh, come and speak in this church, you know. And so uh, the people were like, maybe, uh, maybe they were singing or maybe the meeting, meeting hadn't started, but we were in the back, my back office, you know. And so we were just talking. We had several sessions all day long, that type of thing. And he said to me, you know, Brother John, he said, my father was a pastor for many years. And my father said, you don't have to go to every meeting. Because sometimes pastors feel like they just have to be in every session. Children's meeting, youth meeting, you know, uh, singles meeting, uh, whatever, you know, everything. Just every planning meeting, every prayer meeting. He says, and a lot of pastors wear themselves out. He said, you don't have to be in every meeting. And I said to him, well, that's good. Then I won't go to your meeting. <laughs> and he said, now you're going to get in trouble. <laughs> that's actually what happened. Praise the Lord. Amen. Not regarding his life. So you need to take care of yourself. Amen. 
In Philippians chapter 4, verse 5, it says, this is the English Standard Version, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Actually, that word like reasonableness, gentleness, it's a little tricky to, to define uh, because in the Greek language, it has a meaning that we don't have one word that really means that. It's hard, to, it's hard to translate it. But some translations say, let your moderation be known to everyone. I think a lot of times, here's a problem. We want to be like radical generation Christians. We want to be radical for Christ. We want to have a radical faith. But you still should live moderately. And that seems like a contradiction, but it's not. Some people go to extremes, they have an unhealthy lifestyle, and it affects them. I mean, some Christians eat like there's no tomorrow. Like the rapture is going to happen at 12 o'clock today. Some Christians eat, let's be honest, some Christians eat like a pig. Wee! Don't look at me like that. Just try to button this up. Uh, I, know, I'm, I know from the way my wife is looking at me that I'm going to hear another sermon when I go home. <laughs> so some people, they just, they just stuff themselves, you know, and then they, they wonder why they have health problems, you see. Then again, on the opposite, some people starve themselves. Obviously, that's not me. But some people starve themselves. Some, some people do it like a crash diet. Remember, do you remember the, just recently the, uh, I don't really follow cricket, but some of you might, uh, Shane Warne, he's a, a cricketer from Australia, famous, world famous, and he died recently. And he wasn't that old. I don't remember how old he was, but he wasn't that old, right? And I, re- I was interested, I read one news article that said he had just gone on like this two-week crash diet, like, like the super extreme diet. And you can't help but think that that may have contributed to his early demise. So, so be wise in things. Amen? Some people just work themselves to a frazzle. And they don't get the proper rest. See, they just have a nervous breakdown. Or they, their body just breaks down. See, then, then, on, then on the other hand, the other extreme, some people, you know, get up from bed every morning at the crack of noon. Right? They, they don't ever exercise. All their muscles are flabby, except the one connected to their jaw. I mean, you know, God's, God's your healer. He's your physician. So that means he might have something to say about how you live your life, even practically speaking. Amen. I mean, after we're finished with this message, we'll all go home and have lunch and lie down and think about it. But I'm just telling you. I think most believers, uh, probably the ones I know, probably most believers would agree it's not a sin to take medicine or seek medical treatment. But then again, on the opposite end of the spectrum, there are many, many Christians, many Christians. And when they're sick, Jehovah Rapha is the last thing on their mind. I mean, they don't even consider going to the Lord for healing. Let me read to you a scripture, 2 Chronicles 
chapter 16 and verse 12. 2 Chronicles chapter 16 verse 12 says, In the 39th year of his reign, Asa was diseased in his feet, and his disease became severe. Yet even in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but sought help from physicians. And he died. The next verse says he died. And he died in midlife. King Asa did not die because he went to the doctor. He died because he did not even seek the Lord's help. And he knew better than that. And evidently, at first, his condition was mild. But it grew worse and worse and worse, you see. And even then... He did not even pray. Oh, God, heal me. Amen. The Lord once told Brother Hagin, the Lord, the Lord spoke directly to Brother Hagin and said this. He said, don't neglect to pray for those who are undergoing medical treatment. Even, even those who are having surgery, operations. And the Lord said this. He said, Nature will heal the body gradually, eventually. But if you ask me to, I can speed up the process. So again, and I don't think you have this problem, but, but maybe someone will help from hearing this. You know, we believe in divine healing, and we should emphasize divine healing. But if somebody has to go for an operation, we shouldn't just say, oh, well, well they don't have any faith, so good luck. No, no, we should pray. Pray. Pray for the doctors. I mean, uh... You know, if, if somebody's going to cut my belly open, that, there should be a lot of prayer going on. <laughs> and, I, and, and I would encourage you to go to a Christian doctor. If somebody's going to stick their hands and touch my internal organs, they better know God. I don't want some heathen messing around with my internal organs. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Refusing medicine or avoiding the doctor is not necessarily faith, my friend. I said, refusing to go to the doctor is not necessarily faith. It could be fear. Some people don't go to the doctor because they're scared, spitless. What he might say, what the diagnosis might be. Some Christians who have a little bit of information, but a little, a little bit of information can be devilish. Some Christians with a little bit of knowledge of faith just throw their medicine away, thinking to force God's hand. But faith is being convinced that God will do as he said or that according to what he has already done. It is not trying to compel God to do something. You cannot zobberzost God. Don't even try it. And it's not necessary to do that. That's the wrong attitude. When I was a student in Bible school, in fact, at, at the very beginning of the year, there was a fellow student who lived in the dormitory building next to mine who had diabetes. And he threw away his insulin. You know, he had to take, he, he was, he had to take insulin every day because his pancreas doesn't produce, you know, the, the proper insulin, whatever. So he, he, he's taking an injection, but he threw it away. And he went into shock. And an ambulance came and had to take him away. And we, I never, we never saw him again. You know, I don't know what happened to him. But here's the thing, class hadn't even started yet. That was in August, and we started our class, I think, in September. And so he, he didn't even go to one class yet. 
And I thought, if he had just, you know, kept taking the insulin and gone to class, he could have learned the Word of God, he could have developed and strengthened his faith, and he could have got to the place where he could have received his healing. And by the way, I, I, I noticed this person, I saw him on a couple of occasions, that, that fellow was also not emotionally stable. But, thing, but pe- things like this, stories like this give the message of faith a black eye. And, and then people, people don't want to have anything to do with it. But conversely, I, I heard of another story about a pastor who had diabetes in America, had diabetes. And, uh, and he began to learn uh, the word of God concerning healing, divine healing, and also faith and the importance of saying what we believe. This church is called Spirit of Faith because the Bible says, I believed and therefore I have spoken. And so he began to speak you know, according to God's word, he still took his insulin shot every day. But as he took it, he said, according to the word of God, Jesus took my infirmities and he bore my illnesses. And by his stripes, I was healed and things like that every day. Well, he uh, he was driving his car uh, somewhere and a like a bee, like a bumblebee got in the window and was buzzing around in the car. And he tried to swat that bee. And he I think the pastor, he knocked his glasses, eyeglasses off. And then he swerved and hit like a signpost. You know, he wasn't hurt or anything, but, you know, kind of had a little accident. So the first responders came to the scene and they took this pastor to the hospital just to check, you know, any broken bones. And he was fine. He wasn't hurt at all. But in the process, they did a blood test. And the doctor said, "Um, are you taking insulin? And he said, yes. And he says, well, according to this, your blood sugar is normal. Um, maybe just lessen up a little bit on that. So he, 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 he took a, a smaller doses or whatever the doctor had said, and then he had to go back like some weeks later, and they checked again. The, the, the doctor said, your blood sugar is normal. You don't need to take the insulin. Don't, don't take it for a while. And he checked again, and they, they pronounced him completely cured. Completely cured. Now, see, he used wisdom. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. But then again, on the other hand, some Christians who know their rights and privileges in Christ, they know that healing is part of their redemption. They are members of Spirit of Faith Church, and they graduated from Spirit of Faith Bible School. But yet, even the slightest little thing, they just reach for the nearest pill. Just, you know, just, 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 just grab anything they can get their hands on. Some people are taking nothing more than painkillers. That's not even medicine. Sometimes it's addictive. People just take a painkiller. Next thing you know, you know, they they can't live without that, you see. It doesn't matter how much knowledge you have if you never act on it. And it doesn't matter how much faith you have if you never exercise it. Amen. Hallelujah. So I would encourage you whenever there is a physical problem in your life that the first thought in your mind is the Lord is my healer. The Holy Spirit is my teacher. Hallelujah. And I'm standing on the word of God. Let me tell you this. Be vigilant. Be vigilant. The Bible says your adversary, like a roaring lion, walks about. But be vigilant. Vigilant means alert to danger. So let's imagine you and your wife are asleep at night and you hear a big crash sound. Shattering glass and maybe like uh, something breaking. If you're vigilant, you'll get out of bed to investigate. What's that sound? That's not normal. Let me go see what that is. That's being vigilant. 
If you're not vigilant, you'll just say, oh, I'm tired. I'll wait in the morning. You wake up in the morning and your TV's gone. All your furniture is gone. <laughs> See, that's not being vigilant. So be vigilant spiritually. When you have a little something not right, a little pain or something, then immediately stand against it in the Word of God. Immediately take a stand on the Word of God. Immediately respond. Immediately say, no, that's not for me. I'm healed. I'm whole. Don't just let it go on and on and on. And three years later, it's getting worse. You're like King Asa now. Amen? Thank you for your enthusiasm. Please sit down, everybody. I'm not done yet. Hallelujah. Many Christians, I will be done in just a moment. Many Christians who were once strong on divine healing have backed off a little bit. They kind of backed off. They used to be like, oh, you know, this is what I believe. And, you know, and now they're kind of like, well, yeah, kind of watered down. Sometimes it's because someone they know was not healed. Or maybe someone they prayed for was not healed. So they have allowed circumstances to alter what they believe. Well, friend, think about this. I myself, and some of you here as well, I myself have preached the gospel to sinners and prayed with them to receive Christ. And later, some folks fell away or, or turned away or backslid. But I didn't, I didn't say, oh, I don't believe that salvation message anymore. That doesn't work for everybody, so I'm not going to preach that anymore. No, 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 no. When we talk about salvation, do we focus on the one person who backslid? No, let's, let's focus on the many who remain faithful. So why focus on the one person who didn't get healed? Why don't you focus on the many who do get healed all the time? I'm just curious. It's, a little, it's hard for me to see out there because it's so bright here, but, but I think you can tell. How many here can honestly lift your hand to indicate that through your prayer, somebody else's prayer, whatever, you have been healed by God at some point in your life? You have, you have received healing. Hold your hand up real high. Look around the room. Look around. Come on, everybody, look around the room. That's, that's a lot of hands. Now, either, either, either God is a healer or we got a room full of liars. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. One problem is this. When it comes to praying for the sick, oftentimes we are trying to impart healing to the sick. We think if we can just pray good enough, lay our hands on them long enough, whatever, that we'll impart healing to them, what we should do is encourage the sick person to receive healing from heaven by faith. Are you listening to me? We should take that position. I'm encouraging the sick person to receive healing from Jehovah Rapha. Amen? And sometimes, in fact, this happens many times, Christians, we pray for people who are not in a position to receive, not yet ready to take hold of it. Sometimes we hear about, you know, Sister Zama Zama sick in the hospital and we just jump in our cars and drive over there and burst in the room and we're praying in the lobby even before we go up, you know, the stairway to get into her room. And you don't even talk to her and find out what does she believe? What does she want? Amen? Hallelujah? So we make a big mistake. Jesus talked to people before he ministered to them. So it would be wise for us to do the same. John Alexander Dowie... 
was a pastor in Australia in the late 1800s. And uh, the Lord used him to bring healing to people in Australia. Many people were healed. And, and it, he became well-known. And he traveled to America uh, by ship in those days. And he landed in San Francisco in California. And uh, a newspaper reporter heard about his arrival and wrote it up in the newspaper. Some big headlines, sensational headlines like, you know, Healer comes to San Francisco or something like that. Well, in the hotel where Dowie was staying, a, a mob of people showed up wanting Dowie to minister healing to them. Well, Dowie instructed the, uh, the manager of the hotel to have the people line up in a queue and he would interview them one by one. He brought one by one a person into his room and he would talk with that person, converse with that person. He'd find out if they were a believer. He'd find out if, they, if they'd received Christ as their Savior. If they hadn't, he'd pray with them to receive Christ. And he talked about what did they believe? What did they know? What did they believe? And he, he, had, he talked to a hundred people and he said all but one were insincere. They're not ready to receive. Some of them had sin in their life. They didn't want to deal with things of that nature. He said he could not pray for them. Ninety-nine of them, he turned them away. Some of them I think he may have told to come back later or something like that, or you need to change this. And finally, there was one woman, and I think she suffered from rheumatoid arthritis maybe, something like that. Her feet uh, were all bandaged and swollen, and she shuffled in the room. And when he talked with her, she was sincere. She was genuine. And she'll believe God's word with all her heart. And he realized she's ready to receive. He prayed for her. She took off her bandages. Her, her, the swelling was gone. She walked perfectly normal. The pain was gone. So he only prayed out of 100 people. He only prayed for one. But he had 100% success. Are you listening to me? So that was wise. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, there's more we could say, but we'll just have to come back another time. Shall we stand to our feet? Praise the Lord.